We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 199. Thanksgiving weekend is in the books. Scott, how was your holiday? It was good. It was different this year than it has been in the past. I had a, a, a relatively small one. My wife and I stayed home. And I cooked the entire meal. We have, um, we're, we're in the process of going between my, our first and second surgeries with our, our little boy. So we had to, we have to kind of keep him away from all the little germs out there. Basically every single kid, because <laughs> it's like the, the smack middle of flu season. And whether no they, playgrounds for Kemp. Whether they know it or not, they're all sick. Every one of them are a little carrying disease, um, like little ticking time bombs. And so we have to kind of keep them away. It's just doctor's orders. So I cooked and I... Am extremely impressed with myself. If I'm if I'm being honest, it was the first time that I had cooked a Thanksgiving dinner. I think since I think the last time I actually like really was involved with cooking was I don't know like my sophomore or junior year in college when a bunch of people 
went to a, a, a place where because no one could go home. We bought like four kegs. We, we probably cooked like three or four turkeys and then just a bunch of other random crap and just got drunk the entire time. It was a lot of fun, but that was the last time I did it. This time, all food and it was delicious. Nice. It's a lot of work. I, I did not cook, but I watched people cook and I was exhausted just watching them in the kitchen with all the different pots and pans and everything. At about two o'clock, I completely regretted it. <laughs> I completely regretted it. Did you have to it. wake up? Did you have to wake up at like 3 a.m. to put your turkey in? No, because I, it was two of us. So I had like, you know, I thought it was a big turkey. It was like a 15 pound turkey. None of the stores had small turkeys. That's mm-hmm. apparently a small turkey. So yeah, that is small. So it was a 15 pound turkey and it took what? Four hours to cook three. Yeah. About three or uh, four hours to cook. So I did, I did the whole deal. I brined it the night before I, got, I put a bunch of, bunch of stuff in there, like just experimented with some brine stuff. And then, uh, uh, and then I made a, uh, you know, a few sides, some mashed potatoes, a little bit of stuffing, cornbread, two types of sausage stuffing. And then my mother's infamous cheesy onions, which nice. are my favorite. Yeah. Sounds good. And uh, surprisingly, shocker of all shockers on Thanksgiving, the best football game was the Lions game. Usually that one's a stinker. Yeah. And you have to watch the, the, Minnesota, the Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota Vikings are fun to watch. They're, they're like the uh, complete underdog team. I don't, I, I'm enjoying watching them play because they're not what you oh, think. You mean a, a backup to the backup quarterback yeah. is winning? And he's dropping dimes. <laughs> that, 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 uh, that pass to Kyle Rudolph in the end zone, that was a dime. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it was, uh, it was, I guess, an uneventful weekend as far as Yankees go. A couple more bits of news. But before we get into all of that, how, uh, how can people get a discount at the BP Fan Shop? Well, we did a Black Friday sale. It was 25% off the entire store on, on Friday. So we had a bunch of people take advantage of that. And I'm going to roll it through the uh, through Monday, the Cyber Monday everybody knows about. It's where the, the deals are online. So we're going to do a 30% discount on the entire store for all Damn. of Monday. So this will be, uh, you guys are listening to this hopefully Monday morning and you're able to take advantage of it. So go grab some t-shirts that you've been eyeing. Uh, there's hats, there's sweatshirts, there's there's a BP flag if you want to fly the flag, all sorts of stuff in there, mugs. Um, we're going to be adding a whole bunch more to it for 2018 as well, but the, it's pretty stocked up right now. So go check it out at shop.bronxpinstripes.com. A lot of good stuff for, for the Yankee fan in your life yes. or yourself. That's right. Use it as a use it as an excuse <laughs> to buy some Christmas presents or Hanukkah yeah, presents. Put a bunch of stuff in the cart. Put a bunch of stuff in a cart and then send your mom the link. That's what I do. <laughs> there you go. And put the code <laughs> Cyber Monday. That's the code we'll use. Awesome. So uh, we had joked about it over the course of the summer when Judge was in his epic slump that he has he injured himself in the home run derby or something wrong is wrong with his shoulder because obviously everyone remembers the bend the knee video when Torres had uh, was that the game that Torres had a walk off hit he did have a walk off hit yeah. Yeah, and uh, he was going down the line of players and everyone was giving him high fives. And then we saw the video and Judge had a gigantic rap on his shoulder. And we're saying, what the hell is going on here? This has not been talked about. And that was in the middle of his July-August slump where he couldn't hit the baseball. So then the Yankees dropped this news this week that he had arthroscopic surgery on his left shoulder. Which is the same shoulder shoulder that was wrapped. Yep, which is um, kind of backs up our hypothesis. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I don't even think we were joking, honestly. We saw that. I'm like, there's usually that's a heavy ass rap. That's a big rap on that dude. And I went back and, and caught the video. It was on Didi's Instagram, and I put it out on the on the, on the Bronx Pinstripes feeds. And it was uh, August 22nd or 23rd. And 
so that was well into the slump as well. But you got to believe that that thing was bothering him. And I, I absolutely think that this was a thing now. The fact that he had, I mean, arthroscopic surgery, if you're talking to somebody who knows what they're talking about, they're saying it's not that big of a deal. It's like a cleanup. And well, that's what they called it. Yeah. Okay. Loose body removal and cartilage cleanup. Yeah. So they go in there, like clean up some scar tissue. Like I think every if, if you if you like do right, right now, if you if everybody moves their arm back and forth, every person who is not a professional athlete will probably hear some weird stuff going on in there right now. Like I I, I hear all sorts of stuff, and they just got rid of all that crap so that it's nice and smooth. Little oil, uh, little oil in the lubes, lubing it up, make it make it good for spring training. So. I don't think it's a big deal long term, but I do think that it was something that contributed to his slump. I mean, we analyzed even we we started looking at the way he was uh, approaching the ball and approaching the the at bats in the way his stance was, and it did. When you open up your stance, you're favoring that left shoulder. You're taking a little bit of pressure off of that uh, that left shoulder, and I do believe it hindered him. Right, because the idea for Judge is to stay on the ball, hit the ball to center field, right field, yeah. and that would keep his shoulder closed and, and sort of lead with his left shoulder. He wasn't doing that. Right. Yep. When he was, when he was, uh, when he was hitting the ball really well in the first half, you saw the difference and it's very comparable. I mean, there's been a lot of talk, especially since the MVP vote of Giancarlo Stanton's uh, new stance and how a lot of people were telling him not to do it, to close that off. But judge had a very similar stance in the, I don't think he was as closed as Stanton, but he was no, Stanton. You could almost read the numbers on his back. Yeah, it was. He was much more closed, but Judge was closed and and shooting yeah. the ball the other way. That was that's the approach for for these guys basically is to if you're going to pull the ball, you're going to be able to get there anyway. But now you're you're taking the other side of the the plate and you're be, you're able to to go the other way with it. So be, you become a much more dynamic hitter theoretically. Yeah. The- the big thing all first half of this season was the side-by-side comparisons between Judge of at the end of 2016 and then the beginning of 2017, the difference in his stance and also the difference in his leg kick and his just whole approach at the plate. Right. And then, as as you just said, he kind of got away from that, falling into some old bad habits. But instead of it, it, it could have just been what doesn't injure, what doesn't um, hurt. cause him pain yeah. at the plate, what doesn't hurt. He's doing what what feels comfortable at that time. The thing is, though, I don't know if it was cortisone shots or, or treatment or whatever it did. Clearly, it didn't bother him in September and October because he had monster months. Yeah, and if it's one of those things that's really just like an ache and it's a it's a pain threshold type deal, you know, a lot of sometimes it can get better. I mean, he did have a couple more days off. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm sure there was a cortisone shot in there that that helped alleviate the pain. There's, I, I, I have no doubt about that. Um, but yeah, it's. You know, it's 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 pretty clear because we were talking about him in the middle of this slump, and we're looking at this stance, and we're like, why, why are they not making this adjustment? It's so simple. Like you and I are looking at this, and I can I'm telling you, this is what's wrong. Like it's totally different than what he looked like in the first half. And I guess the reason why they weren't making that adjustment, I think that my, my theory is that because he was in discomfort, it was not. Uh, a comfortable swing for him at that point. So he had to kind of stay off the ball a little bit more, open it up just to alleviate that pain. And and that's how he was able to play through it. So I'm also thinking into the ALCS and he had two different crashes into the walls. One, actually three, one, uh, one in Houston in game two, where he did not rob the home run. Yes. Cause he looked and up and saw at- a child. Because <laughs> he's, he's a nice guy, yeah, a and then nice guy. and then at Yankee Stadium when he crashed into the wall, and then back in Game Seven where he really crashed into the wall, robbing the home run. Um, so this three crashes into the wall, all all on his left side. 
So that obviously, I mean, I'm not saying that is the reason why he had this surgery, but maybe if there was something that was bothering him from July and August, it was sort of re-aggravated at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, there's, it, there, I, de- I definitely just like turned my body to see which shoulder it would be to run into the wall. No, yeah, it, yeah it's, it's the, the left, left you're right. Because he's, he's a right-handed player and yep. his glove is on his left hand. Oh, yeah, yep. I just did it. I, 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 I did the whole thing. So um, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, it's interesting because the other thing about this whole scenario to me that's peculiar is that right after the season, Brian Cashman was saying, nobody's, nobody's in for surgery. Everybody's good. We're fine. Everybody's just kind of taking it easy. No one's going to, because a lot of times there's, you know, many guys were going in for, I mean, we're used to it for over the past five years of all these old mm-hmm. dudes going in for like cleanups, like everybody, yeah, but it's like, it's unrealistic to think even young guys, they go through 162 game season plus spring training. You're going to have something that is injured. It's just, that's what happens. No, right. But Cashman was like, no, there's there's nobody. Everybody's fine. And then all of a sudden, uh, now Judge is going to get a cleanup. <clears throat> the biggest name. Well, uh, maybe it's something, though, that happened at, again at the very end of the season and they hadn't done all their MRIs postseason and, and it sort of cropped up at the after Cashman spoke to the media or something. Who knows or, when it happened? Or, or Cashman and Judge were like, okay, we'll announce this after the MVP vote so you don't have to use it as an excuse because that's not you and you don't have to come up with and, and dance around the, the topic of, of the surgery because right now if we do it during the middle of this vote when everybody's got nothing else to cover and this is the only thing to cover, they're going to blow up this injury. But the vote had already been submitted. No, I know, but the coverage submitted. of the vote, the coverage of the, of the announcement. Uh-oh. I mean, come on. These guys are looking for storylines at that point. <laughs> yeah. So I think the big question on everyone's mind is, was it the home run derby? It's a fair question, honestly. We joked about it, but maybe. <laughs> I believe I did say that if it comes out after the season that Judge has surgery, and it's it, they say it's maybe something he tweaked in the home run derby, I will off myself. Um, is that still so true? Do I need I'm to really hoping they don't say. I'm really banking on them not saying it was the home run derby. Okay. Uh, but if just in case, bronxpinstripes.com slash... Uh, podcast, send in your applications. <laughs> um, but uh, who knows? Maybe it was something in the Home Run Derby, and it's maybe something they look at because Judge will be definitely invited to do the Home Run Derby next season. Maybe it's something they say, hey, maybe it's not a good idea. You want it. You proved you can win it. Let's not go through this. Don't even risk it again. I always say it's just extended batting practice. These guys do this every day, and Judge is a guy who is – Perfect for batting practice. He can take a nice, easy swing and still hit the ball out of the ballpark. But if it actually was something, and they'll never say it. I hope they never say it. (laughs) But if it's something that Cashman and Judge talk about and say, I think I heard it during the home run derby, maybe it's he doesn't do it again. It's very possible. He did win it. So I think he has an out now because he did go out on top. I mean, he came in and dominated and that's it. So, um, you know, I don't know. I have a feeling they're one. I agree with you. I don't think they'll ever admit that that was uh, what happened. It was so good for Aaron Judge on a personal level and on a marketing level. This this home run derby thing. So it would, it would where he is now. Yeah, it would be very hard for him to say no again because of what it did for him. Like it, it just catapulted his career even more. Not that it wasn't already happening because of his numbers and all the things, but it just escalated it that much more at a point where he was like on fire. So yeah, he was he was the he was. We say it jokingly, but he was the face of baseball. He was the triple crown week. leader going into it. We were damn yeah. close to it at that point. Yeah, he won All-Star Week. Yeah, so um, it would be hard for Judge to turn those things down because of the uh, of the exposure that he got. But, you know, if it did come down to it, 
I I I I think he will make uh, the best decision for him and the New York Yankees. So well, let's also be honest. And if Judge enters it again, he's going to win it again. So if he wants to, for the sake of competition, maybe don't enter it one year so someone else can have the honor of winning the home run derby. Yeah, because there's no possible way he can lose it. He's no. he's the he's the clear favorite every single year. Stanton's the only guy that could go in there and do anything, <laughs> except except El Kraken off off uh, Giancarlo in true. his home park. That's true. See, uh, Sanchez has easy power also. So maybe that's maybe it's going to be a, a hometown rivalry in the home run derby every year. He's and got we'll all the easy be like, power. We'll all be nervous as hell because those guys are in the derby every year. He, but he clearly didn't have the stamina that Judge had. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Be- um, Judge doesn't need stamina. To, he just has to swing with his upper body to get that ball out. Yeah, he's created in a laboratory to hit home runs in, in batting practice. That's that's what he was made for. Yes. But I just think back to some of those Gary Sanchez workout videos, and this, the stamina is not his strong suit. Yeah, we need some more parachute on the beach from Gary from El Kraken. <laughs> I think he did what he he posted another video over the weekend. I don't know if you saw it, but he was doing like burpees and catching a medicine ball, and it it just. It reminded me of myself in a gym, and it's very, it's very nice to be able to relate to a professional athlete where you just look kind of like you're, you're going through the motions. Like, do I really have to do this? Yeah, but except that he's country strong. Like, he's, he's oh, ridiculously his, – his hands are probably just like vices, and the guy has just ridiculous strength. Um, yep. No, he doesn't look it. That's for sure. But that's okay. No. That's looks okay. a little doughy. I think we should put up the. I think I think I should task myself with a uh, with a separate page on the website for all of these workout videos for this year. Now, now that we know what's coming, because last year was like Yankee workout video, uh, like like an entire DVD collection. I think we could put an entire page up with all these guys doing it. It's entertaining. So we had we had Didi get into the mix. Clint Frazier, obviously. I don't know. Did we see Judge with some workout videos? Because I don't think we saw Judge. We need watching him doing some shoulder presses or something yeah. in the gym could be pretty impressive. I need a ju- I need like a uh, Mr. Universe T-shirt. Judge in the gym, bench press. Bench press. Give me the. Give me a bench press. Not that. Not that he's going to be on the team anymore. But uh, we need a, a Aaron Judge Matt Holiday workout video. Yeah, that'd be great. That really would be terrific. <laughs> Uh, 40-man roster was finalized. The Yankees actually made a few trades to clear some space, which is what we thought they might do because it's a good problem to have. They had a lot of depth in this organization where they actually struggled to get some guys on the 40-man roster. And I can think back to some years where they didn't even have to think about who they were putting on the 40-man roster because they didn't have enough guys to fill the spots or or at least enough guys that would be taken in the Rule 5 draft. That is not the case anymore. Yeah, there were some interesting moves there were um, Nick Rumbelow, our boy that we talked about last week. That will be the last time we talk about Nick Rumbelow. Um, we're like, I don't even know if we, it was on air or it was just you and me talking beforehand. But we're like, Nick Rumbelow is on the 40. Did you see that they got added? We're like, yeah, we totally forgot about this dude. He must have impressed coming back from Tommy John. Well, he impressed enough to get shipped to Seattle where we, where we send people to flourish, <laughs> apparently, to where we send AAA guys to, to do something. Because it seems like like five or six trades to Seattle every year. There's a trade to Seattle with some someone from AAA. Well, again, though the Yankees do this a lot of times, where they trade a, a bullpen arm that you think you're never going to hear from again. And then I think back to guys like Richard Richie uh, uh, Blyer? Blyer Blyer, who had a tremendous season with um, with Cleveland. Well, I mean, this is what happened. No, it wasn't Blyer. It was the was, other one. Was who was it? Uh, it was another obscure name from the bullpen. I can't think of it right now. I'll think of it as we talk. The um, 
but yeah, this is what they do. The the thing Nick Rumbelow was he went down with Tommy John surgery, so there's some promise with him. Uh, but what they did is they got back a couple more pitchers that they didn't have to put on the forty. And by the way, one of them that JP Sears. I don't know if you that name rings a bell with you, but have you seen you know those Facebook videos that are all over social media with the red hair guy and he like he acts like a vegan and he he does like these uh, first person videos. No. You know you don't no. know he's like he's a comedian and he's always wearing like a headband and long red hair. No. Okay. Anyway, whatever. He's his name is JP Sears, and he's uh, he's also a comedian. But this guy, not the same guy. In case anybody was wondering. Gotcha. Yeah. It was Nick Goody, by the way. Nick Goody did have a hell of a year. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, he well, was when we were doing the Indians um, Yankees ALDS preview series, I was looking at Nick Goody's numbers, and I, I almost thought they were fake. I thought I was being punked on Baseball Reference. That's how good the numbers were. Well, yeah. I mean, and it, it was it's it's been this way. I mean, the, they can't hold all these guys on the roster. They just can't do it. And when you have the the good problem of having very good professionals on your major league team, some of these guys can't get rostered, and they just they're stuck in AAA. So why not? Instead of losing them in the Rule 5, trade them, bring on some more assets that are younger and don't have to be protected at this point, and see what happens. And that's what Cashman's been doing over the past three years, is just been getting depth, and a lot of it has been pitching depth. And I, I think we're going to start to see even more of his pitching depth start to rise through the ranks. Um, and I think the, the Yankee fans are going to be surprised at how many pitchers that we don't even know about right now are, are going to start to flourish over the next year or two. Some of the other guys that they ended up trading, Garrett Cooper, who briefly filled the need at first base, and Caleb Smith went to Miami. Uh, Yankees got back Michael King as well as 250 k in international signing money. So I think that it is applied for 2018 signing, not 2017 signing, if I understand it correctly. But I always love that just the extra couple pocket change and 250 k is pocket change to these Major League Baseball franchises of signing uh, signing pool money. So the 250 though, that's for uh, for 2018, but that's what we're in now. The money that's going to be going oh, towards well, the players is for 2018, isn't it? Well, okay, then I, the, what I read was that it, it could not be applied to whoever they sign. Like, it, it would not affect the Otani um Okay. If they end up signing Otani, I think there's there's still so much un uh, there's so much gray area with this whole international signing crap and the and the trading the money. It almost seems like fantasy baseball. Um, I've heard some people say that you, they can. I, I also have read exactly what you did that where people can't. So who the hell knows? The fact is that they're trading for international money, which is to me very interesting. I feel like that's one of the big parts of that trade is if they can acquire that um, and, and just keep adding to their stock because. They see it as an asset. Obviously, the Yankees, they went on an international splurge uh, last year and got a whole bunch of guys from, uh, from the, the Hispanic countries. Um, and you're going to see a lot more of those guys start coming through. So the depth is good. And, and that money is being used to sign these guys that no one's heard of right now. But hopefully we'll be hearing of them in the next you know, year or two. The depth is actually something that makes the Yankees not made the allowed the Yankees to compete last year even once when um they had some injuries and stuff like that. I remember A-Rod talking that the Yankees are not 25 deep, they're actually 30 or 35 deep. And it really showed through. It re- Cashman's plan really showed through when they had to call up guys. And yeah, we'd get frustrated at certain pitchers that that came in and st- stink, but they also had some guys that actually did con- uh, contribute. Yeah, no, there there were definitely a lot of guys that did, and even if there were for a small amount of time, I mean, you, you get guys like um, 
that Frazier came in uh, at a time that he wasn't supposed to. And that was after we, we lost a couple guys. Like that was after injuries. And he was not the first guy. He wasn't even the second guy coming up in the, in uh, the, the minor leagues. He was a, a guy that they kind of had to go to and he was able to come up. Then you get Anduar coming up for like a game and having a good game. Like there were small, small little areas where these guys came up, contributed and then went right back down. First base was a freaking revolving door. Not that any of them did very well, but at least there were bodies. Well, G-Man had a big home. G-Man run. had a couple fun. had a couple moments. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Garrett Cooper looked the part. He looked like a beast. He did look like a beast. He's a big dude, and he put up all those gaudy numbers in uh, in Colorado that nobody gives any credit to. So we'll see. That was the first trade with Jeter too. So there's a little footnote in in the history books. Yankees uh, first trade with Derek Jeter as the uh, as the owner of the Marlins brings over uh, our boy King. So. One, I thought one of the interesting things for the 40-man roster, to me, the ones of the, one of the things that I circled was that Jake Cave was added to the roster and kept there. Um, when we started seeing this like this, this barrage of trades on, on Monday for them to get to the 40 uh, at that 8 o'clock deadline or whatever the time was, I, I really thought that he was going to be one of them. But I think it speaks a lot to what they think of him that it's another outfielder in AAA who is, you know, he's like a, to me, he's like a, a 280, maybe 20 home runs. Like that's a projection, 270, 280 guy, uh, good athlete, can play multiple positions. They obviously covet those guys that could come up and, and just be plugged in in different spots and also have a good bat. So I thought that was interesting. And I'm curious to see how he does and if, and if he gets an opportunity this year at some point. Well, he's, he's got a long way to go to get an opportunity considering the Yankees have their fourth outfielder right now is Jacoby Ellsbury. And then I'd have to imagine Clint Frazier is ahead of cave as far as the call-ups. No, he is. I, I think that, um, but he's right there. I mean, he's the next guy, you know, he's the next guy. And there's, we saw what happens with, with injuries. It, it, it continues to happen every single year. So you yeah. got to believe that your, your fifth and maybe even sixth outfielder is going to get an opportunity at some point. And who knows who impresses in spring training and, and does something where Cashman says, okay, now I have value on this guy. And he can be traded for some more pitching or something like that. There's always somebody that emerges in February and March that we didn't think was going to emerge or didn't think was going to emerge that quickly. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the depth is just such an important thing. I mean, obviously, we just talked about that, but not just in pitching, looking at all the different positions. And I think that um, when you're looking at a guy like Cave, like that's a that's another depth guy that that has potential that can come up and contribute in a in a way, whether it's on defense um, and then and they give you a good at bat. You know, maybe he's not going to come in and just light the world on fire, but he's a guy that could contribute on a, on a whim if you need him to come up. And you know damn well that they're going to be going down into the well for those fifth and sixth outfielders at some point. I mean, how many guys did we have coming up? Uh, how many times did did we see Mason Williams come up for a game or two? You know what I mean? Like these guys are going to play. Mm-hmm. Ben Gamble. Ben Gamble came up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's also talk about the twenty five man roster because. I was trying to go through the roster and figure out who is locks for the season, assuming no major trades. And I came up with 22 names, Sanchez, Romine, or some other backup catcher, Greg Bird, Castro, Didi, Headley, Torres, or some other utility infielder, Gardner, Ellsbury, Hicks, Judge, who are the four outfielders, which we've talked about. Then for the starting pitching, you have Severino, Sonny Gray, Tanaka, and I do think Montgomery's a lock on the roster, and then a fifth starter. Maybe it's CeCe, maybe it's Otani, maybe it's Chad Green, maybe it's somebody we've never heard of. Chapman, Batances, D-Rob, Canely, Warren, and then again, Chad Green. That's 22 names. It's really not a lot of empty spots, especially when you think that those 
23 through 25 is probably going to be filled with other bullpen arms. Yeah, there's a that's a good thing. Going into a season knowing who your guys are, I I love that. I mean, I love that there's going to be some competition in some of those uh, some of those other areas, and even within the team, there's a lot of guys who are you know very very good and can compete with uh, with each other for for certain positions as far as starting and such. But um, I think it's a good thing. I, I really do. The Otani's going to throw a complete wrench into this whole situation in how he's looked at on the roster and how he's actually used. Um, you know, we'll see. There's been obviously so much speculation about this dude and, and what he's going to ask for and what he's going to demand, basically, because he's going to be in that position. If he's going to be, I mean, I see him coming over if he does sign with the Yankees. I think they're going to. He's going to be a starting pitcher. I think that's the obvious choice. And then, and then from there, um, I could see him DHing a couple times a week. But I know we're going to get into Otani, so I'll, I'll save. This. Yeah, we got a couple of mailbags on him. He's interesting because when you think about him as a starting pitcher, people, a lot of people are talking about him as DH as well. And it kind of doesn't work in the American League. So I know we'll talk about that too. Yeah. Well, I, I believe Cashman spoke. I don't remember when it was, if it was at the GM meetings or something. But he said there's really not a lot of heavy lifting to do with the roster. And what he means by that is he's got 22 guys that are pretty much locked in for either performance reasons or salary reasons. In the case of Jacoby Ellsbury, there's not a ton of stuff he's going to be doing with the roster. And I think, like you said, that's a good thing. That's a comforting thing to know, that especially since the roster performed last season. But uh, I still think he's going to try and do something with the outfield because I think blocking Clint Frazier and sticking him back in AAA for another entire season is bad for his growth. I know there's injuries. I know there's unforeseen stuff that will happen. But I don't like going into a season where if someone doesn't get injured, we're probably not going to see Clint Frazier much. Yeah, but that's such a that's such a a, a certainty these days. That look, I, I I just don't I don't know how much room there is to do anything because unless you're gonna unless you're gonna go out there and make like a, a move and trade a, a guy like uh, even Aaron Hicks who has value, you're looking at these guys. Like Gardner has some value, but I just I just don't see enough value to trade him. I think Hicks is the only guy in that outfield that has value to where you could get something for him, and I don't I don't see them doing yeah. that. I don't see him doing it either. I think so. Ellsbury's the problem. He's the problem, but unfortunately, is it's a problem that's not going to be going away unless they just dump salary. So, well, or they carry another outfielder. I know we talked. Well, they're not. I don't think they're going to do that, um, especially because Otani can play the outfield. He played. Well, right he's the. I don't. I definitely don't think he's coming in to play any position besides pitcher in the field. Uh, well, so but but I, I disagree with you in the sense, and I know we've we've touched on this in the last few episodes that I think there is value for Gardner, and maybe there he's still more valuable to the Yankees roster than he is in a trade. But I think if you're going to trade an outfielder, you can get value for Gardner, and I'm fine if they salary dump on Ellsbury. I would actually prefer they salary dump on Ellsbury. I just don't think Steinbrenner is going to do it. I, I, he just did it with a Rod. I don't think he's going to do it again with Ellsbury, especially because he's signed for what is it three more seasons. It's not one year you could just suck it up and write write him one big fat check. He's got to write him check after check for the next three years. I I think that if uh, I I don't think they're going to trade Ellsbury. I, I really don't unless they take on some other uh, another salary of a team that got into a bad position as well and it's longer. I just don't see them doing that either. But the I I could see a realistic scenario. I I think if they don't trade him, which I don't think is happening, Ellsbury is going to be on the team. If Ellsbury comes out and doesn't do well, if he doesn't play well, I could absolutely see them dumping him. We're like, you know what? It's a bad debt. 
write it off. Get rid of this guy. I don't know if you can write off a contract <laughs> if he's not on the team. I'm not sure how the, the taxes work on that. That would be nice because if that's possible, then they could, they could do something like that. But the, uh, the fact is that he is just a, a problem whether he's there or whether he's not there. And the question you need to answer is, is he a bigger problem on the team or a bigger problem uh, you know, rostered or, or one that uh, you're just paying? Because to me, if you have a bad problem, a, a guy that can't play and you got to pay him anyway, and he's, he's hurting the team on the field, then why are you having him there? He's hurting you in the wallet and on the playing field at that point. I don't get it. Well, the good thing about Ellsbury, or at least good thing from this standpoint, is that if he does get injured, we know it's like a four-month thing because he's made of glass. So well, yeah. he's not going to fight his way back onto the roster off the DL very quickly. So that'll give ample time for Clint Frazier to come up or Jake Cave or, or some, other, some other player to come up and shine. Yeah, and, I, and steal his steal his job is basically what we hope happens. I still think that Frazier is going to start in AAA. I, I really do. Yes, I, I agree. I think that he's going to start, and I think he's got some stuff to prove because I think once the uh, you know towards the end of the year, I know he had that oblique or whatever it was in the, his mid. It was an it was an oblique. Yeah, injury. it was a yep. midsection injury, and we know how violently he swings. Like that's that's a that's a pretty significant injury for a guy who swings like he does, who's a lot of uh, top top half as well. He's um he's got some to prove. So going down to AAA and, and you know lighting it up in AAA, I think they would feel a lot better about giving him the keys if he were to do that. And, and back One, to Gardner real quick, like I, I agree with you. I think he's got value. I just don't think the value is enough to get rid of him because I don't think they'll get back what they have with him as a, uh, as a veteran player, as a guy who goes out there every day, gives good at-bats. I mean, he's a good leadoff hitter and who plays you know, gold glove defense. Here's my fan analysis of what we saw from Clint Frazier. Uh, I loved the hustle and the intensity. I think everyone loved that. We saw it in the field. We saw it on the base paths. Sometimes, though, a lot of times, he was overmatched at the plate. And if he got into a bad situation, he just went down one, two, three, was swinging at sliders in the dirt. He did not have competitive at-bats very often. Other times, he looked like he was maybe getting ahead in the count if the pitcher made a mistake and threw him two straight balls. Then he could attack on the 2-0 pitch and... He's got the power. He's got the, he's he's got the the forearm strength where he can hit it into the gap and hit it out of the ballpark. The talent is there, but I just saw him being overmatched too often at the plate. I, I think it's I think it's a a maturation process for him. I think as he's you know getting more comfortable at within with his with the way he's uh, he's approaching the major league hitter or pitchers and the way he's actually taking pitches and that the Yankee way kind of 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 being a little bit more patient and actually watching pitches and seeing the the spin on the ball and and not just going out there with, with a full head of steam and and uh, you know swinging at your shoes all the time I think there is a maturation process for him as a hitter so that he be, he can become a little bit more patient and and recognize the pitches a little earlier and you know similar to what Judge did where where he comes in in the second half of uh, 2016 and he's swinging at a 50 percent or striking out at a 50 percent clip you know that that adjustment has to happen judge made the adjustment now we got to see if um if Frazier can make that adjustment and just become more comfortable as a hitter and not just a, a guy who just mashes the ball and you know see the ball hit the ball like become a more major league ready hitter do you think Clint Frazier is on the trade block not that Cashman is seeking trades out for him but if a team comes calling and says is Frazier available do you think he is I, I think Cashman always listens but I don't know what the Yankees would be getting in return at this point that would be such would a be significant. Be, I know, but that would be, be such a pitching. significant boost to to get rid of him. I uh, if you get a middle of the rotation, middle of the rotation guy. I think, I yeah, but I think that's a, a boost. I I don't know. 
a middle of the rotation guy for for a guy that uh, that has the promise of Clint Frazier. See, I, I think middle of the rotation guys can come out of nowhere. I mean, I think that you can you can grow them. I think that we have some of them in the minor leagues. I, I don't think that a middle of the rotation guy is sexy enough to get rid of a guy like Clint Frazier. I don't think they want to trade him. I think that there's just too much talent there, and I think there's a lot of promise with a guy like him. Um, and we're just we're seeing how much how much offense is taking over this game. I, I think he's such a valuable asset right now. Do you think if um, instead of uh, Jorge Mateo, who was the center prospect in the Sunny Gray trade, if it was Clint Frazier instead as the center prospect, do you think Cashman would have done that deal? No, I don't think he would have done that deal. I don't think Cashman was looking to trade Frazier uh, at the end of last year. I think that Mateo was. Mateo had. There were so many, uh, you know, oper- there were so many very obvious places that Mateo was blocked coming under this Yankee roster. He didn't really totally. have a position. I, I think they were down on him after. And he was having. He was, yeah. He. Let's face it. His value was kind of lower to the Yankees. What what Billy Bean is doing, he's taking a risk on the talent. Right, and they're probably going to change. I don't know if they're going to change his position, but he might be a center fielder. He might be more of a, a natural center fielder. They, they, they have more flexibility to do things with him. And he's going to be playing sooner. Um, I don't think Oakland is a, is a team that is in a, a great position to demand things either. Th- it was Fowler, it was Fowler, Caprellian, and Mateo, right? Those were the three guys? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe if it was, I, I think Clint and, Frazier, because he's closer to the major leagues, is probably worth two of those guys. But if it was Clint Frazier and Caprellian, do you think he would have done that deal? No, I don't think I don't think he wanted to trade Frazier. I don't think he was trading Frazier. Okay, in that deal. You know, I I don't want to trade Clint Frazier either. I'm just sort of going through options for for Brian Cashman this offseason. And if you remember correctly, the Dustin Fowler was actually higher on the list for the Yankees. He was higher in the pecking order for right, outfielders. Yep. Uh, granted, he had an unbelievable injury that was just god awful. Um, but it's it's one that that everybody was expecting him to to make a full recovery from. Uh, but yeah, he was the guy, and and from from all reports too. Like if you're looking at what other scouts and other GMs had when they when they look at the Yankees roster and their minor leagues, a lot of people had uh, had Fowler higher than than Frazier as well in scouting departments too. So, it, well, he was more. I think he was what the term they use is more major league ready. I, I don't think agreed. he was a higher prospect, but he was more major league ready. He was not a higher prospect in the farm system pecking order. Yes, he was. He was more major league ready, and that's what I think yeah. that Frazier needs. I think he just needs another year to to Seasoning. get that growth. Yeah, and I think some of it's going to be in AAA, and I think that could be good for him. He's got to get that confidence back up of him, you know, because he's a confident dude, like an extremely confident dude. And when he's not playing well, I feel like that confidence is is uh, it almost works against him, and he gets frustrated. And if he doesn't have that 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 you know that mental approach going into a game, knowing that that he's ready for this and he's good, and he's not at a point where he is getting fooled by major leaguers anymore, or as as often. I, I feel like it's going to show. You know, he plays with such confidence. If he has that confidence and he, and he knows that he can do something, I think it's going to just make him play that much better. I still think the only untouchable prospect for the Yankees is Gleiber. Gleiber is a hundred percent untouchable. Uh, my dad asked me an interesting question yesterday. He said, do you think the Yankees would do a Gleyber Torres for Manny Machado trade straight up? Well, no, because he's uh, Machado's going into his last year. I, I understand that, but uh, I, I answered the same way you did, and his argument was that, well, then they they would it would be part of the deal when they're trading him that Machado, we're going to give you what you want in free agency, but you're staying with us. Yeah, but that's a that's a handshake. That's nothing, or that's an agreement. That's nothing. That happens that's, all the time, though. That happens all the time. It's maybe it does, but I, I guarantee it also happens all the time where someone agrees to that and then doesn't do it. 
I mean, that's how do you think fans would react to that trade? I think I don't think they'd like it at all. I think he's Yankees crazy because Manny Machado is one stud. of the best players in the league. I know, and he's so young. What is he? Twenty five? Yeah, but the problem is, is that the one year deal? It's the contract. That's the thing. Yeah, unless unless but, they signed uh, an extension at the point of the trade, there was an agreement in paper saying, "Okay, now you are here for the duration." Then I just uh, I, I think Yankee fans would be irate. But but you do realize that Gleyber Torres his ceiling. Oh, yeah. Is Manny Machado. Oh, hopefully. Like his absolute, because Manny Machado, that's not a knock on Gleyber Torres or anything like that. Manny Machado is like an all-world generational kind of player. I that's don't think Gleyber Torres is going to be is. as good as Manny Machado. <laughs> right. So then why wouldn't you make that trade? Because of the, because of the, because one, of the year one year. Yeah. Okay. So you, you're saying I'd rather, if you could only have one year of Manny Machado, then obviously it's not worth it. Right. I think the understanding there would be that you end up locking him up. It, I mean, that's a different but story. But you could right wait now. a year and lock him up too. Exactly. Right? And keep Flavor Torres. Right. Yeah. So I don't like that at all. Hmm. And that's that's um, that's an the Orioles anti-cash would, I think the Orioles. I think the Orioles would... Uh, would be okay with it. Though. Oh, hundred percent. They jump. They would run to the to the signing table. <laughs> they would absolutely do that. The Orioles are dead in the water. I mean, I keep hearing that they add some pitching. They'll be, no, they suck. They're gonna. Hey, they never add pitching. They they never they, are good adding pitching. What do they have? Five more years of of Crush Davis. Oh yeah, the, the centered around that line. That he is anchoring that lineup. Yes. Let's talk about the ongoing Yankees manager search. I still cannot believe it's after Thanksgiving and the Yankees still don't have a manager. I honestly expected it to happen. You and I both expected it to happen the week after the World Series because we thought Cashman has one or two guys in mind and it's just a matter of not overshadowing the World Series, getting the final contract deals ready with this kind of with this uh, person. That's not the case, though. And here we are a month later, still no Yankees manager. You know what's pissing me off is I'm reading some of these reports as well. You know, I follow a lot of the uh, the guys. We've had them on the shows before. Donnie Collins from uh, Scranton, the Scranton uh, Times Tribune. He's been tweeting out. I think he wrote even one of them. But um, the the guy that I wanted going into this was Al Padrique. He's the guy that to me has the managerial experience. He's got the relationship with a lot of the players. It seems like a very very natural fit to me. But he's he's like they're interviewing Al Padrique, talking to him about this position and. And he's like, yeah, I'm still waiting for a phone call. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the phone call. I'm here waiting for the phone call. When I'm called, I'll be ready. I'm very interested. And he's not getting a phone call. He just hasn't gotten a phone call. I feel like then it's... I, then he's probably not getting I, a phone call. I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a disrespectful move to that, to, to Al Padrica to not interview him. When you're going out and interviewing guys like freaking Chris Woodward, why would you not bring in Al Padrique to let him wow you? He's already done it on the field. You know he's got the, the, the locker room already. Immediately, he's got the locker room. Why, why would you not bring him in for him? Out of, for no other reason but of a respect, uh, a respect factor for Al Padrique and an acknowledgement for his accomplishments and what he's done to bring these guys to this point, why not interview him? Why not bring him in and, and put him through the exact same thing you're bringing freaking Chris Woodward? <laughs> Well, that a lot of people think that's the only reason that Rob Thompson got an interview I, is just I out agree. of respect for him. I agree. I think that's so the same sort thing. Of checking a box type deal. And listen, I think Al Padrique is a great candidate for all the reasons you listed. You listed, but if Cashman has not called him yet, he's not going to call him. No, I know. That's what I'm, my, my my point is. That it's it's. Uh, I don't think he's going to call him either. I think that if he would have, I think if he was a serious candidate for the position with the amount of news that's gone out and who these candidates are and who has been run through the office, 
I think that he would have been at least acknowledged and brought in for an interview. I mean, we're talking about Eric Wedge, people. Eric Wedge <laughs> was brought in for a freaking interview. Eric Wedge. Eric Wedge. He's probably going to be managing in Taiwan next year. I mean, like, that's the guy that we're talking about. Why would you not give a call to Al Padrique and bring him up? Out of sheer respect. It, it pisses me off. It does. Well, it's making Cashman me mad as I'm talking about it. Maybe Cashman doesn't want to hurt the Triple the A team too much. I mean, they, it, they it, are fine. on a championship run. They're on a dyna- they're on a dynastic run. You don't want to take their manager away. Like hey, you can use that. Like there is a there is an argument saying that he's too good in player development to bring him up. Right? Okay. I, if you came out and said that he is a valuable asset at the AAA level, he's the best AAA. <laughs> he's the best AAA manager in all of the oh, game. Man. Why would we move him? We've got we've got Bobby Cox or Joe Torre in AAA. Of AAA for AAA, bringing up these guys so now that they're major league ready. We have him there. Why are we gonna? Why are we gonna mess that up? Okay, say that. That's fine. Like he's the best guy in AAA. Well, then if I were Al Padrique and that <laughs> was actually said, I'd be like, guess what? I quit. Yeah. Because what am I doing this for? But I do understand the fact that you know if if they do see him as a valuable asset in AAA and they want to keep him there for the time being, you don't have to come out and say things like that. But but bring him in. Like to me, if that if you actually believe that. You're going to give this guy an interview and an opportunity to wow you, because there are times when candidates can come out of the woodwork, not not Chris Woodward, but can come out of the woodwork and and wow a, a team of interviewees. If that's in fact what's happening right now, they could, he could Chris, he could shock the world. Chris Woodward is 41 years old, and by all accounts, that's the only thing he has going for him is that he's young. Um, so he could relate to players that way. I was reading something Andrew Martian wrote on ESPN that his conference call with Woodward Woodward was very underwhelming. So that gives us a lot of confidence. He played on the Mets for a couple seasons and was, was with the Yankees in, in spring training camp in 2008. Other than that, he has no experience whatsoever, no, not qualified in the least bit to be the manager of the New York Yankees, yet he has an interview under his belt. So who knows? I, I'm completely at a loss for what is going on with this search. I'm almost at the point where what I think they should do is get the top four candidates, whoever those four candidates are, go into next April and say, okay, Aaron Boone, you're one of our final four candidates. You get to manage the first week. Chris Woodward, if you're our, our, our another one of our candidates, you get to manage the second week. Bam Bam Mullins, you get to manage the third week. And then Rob Thompson, you get to manage the fourth week. Whoever looks the best and doesn't Fuck up the most, I guess, gets the job in May going forward. How about a wiffle ball home run derby? That too. I mean, I, I'm all for that. That's just as ridiculous as, as what I just proposed, but I like it. Yeah, yeah. Or or we give them uh, the you know a, a week of spring training. Make sure all the uh, the the new rules for MLB that they're toying with, like guy on second for extra innings, like throw out all the ridiculous rules for them too, and see how they handle that. Isn't that what happens in these interviews? I know you were joking about before we started recording, do like a spin the wheel type situation where whatever comes, what do you do in this spot? But I believe that's what a lot of these interviews are. They sort of throw situations at them and and say, how would you react? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just ridiculous for me to think of of like Brian Cashman's like, OK, I'm going to set the stage. It's game five. <laughs> it's it's uh, the bottom of the ninth. There's runners are in second and third. You have a power mm-hmm. guy up. No outs. Are you bunting or are you hitting away? What are you doing? Like, I, I just think of like a guy of uh, Ryan Cashman coming up with a scenario like that is such a ridiculous concept um, for a guy. I don't know what's happening in these interviews. I think they're trying to read the man more than, than anything. I still believe 
I, if, I mean, total speculation at this point because we're just seeing what's been reported and who's come in. We're looking at Hensley Mullins and we're looking at Aaron Boone as the two top guys is what it seems like. Uh, that's just, I don't know, looking at looking I kind of like Mullins. I think Mullins is a good candidate. Why? Because he's, quali- he's, qu- he's the only qualified guy there. The only besides Rob, I know Thompson? that's very. I know that's a very logical take by my part. And I know we don't do logical takes on this show, <laughs> but but yeah, he is qualified and he speaks multiple languages yeah. and he's still young. He's what, what, what did we say he was fifty one, something like that. Yeah, he managed the Dutch team, so he's got um, ma- he's got managerial experience with of some of the guys team. on the team. Yeah, some of the guys on the team, Didi, and then he's also um, was the bench coach for the Giants. Like he, this is the next logical step for Mullins is managing a baseball team. Yeah. The only thing that makes it weird is that his nickname is Bam Bam. That's not weird. That's amazing. That's I don't know. Why is that a negative? That's a huge positive. It's not a negative. I think people don't take him seriously. You, you look and you're like, Bam Bam? Would the Yankees really hire a guy named Bam Bam? What is Bam Bam from? The Flintstones? The Flintstones. is the little kid with the big bat. The whole point is, is the big bat. Oh, if they hire him, we, we have a t-shirt idea right there. Well, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> I think I've already started the design. But... <laughs> I mean, the the guy got it because he would mash the ball. He was a, a prospect coming up that that had home run prospects, right? So I don't know. Look, I, I think that I agree. I, you look at him, you're like, okay, this guy. I love the language thing too. It seems like a a, a good guy. It seems like people like him a lot. Got some Yankee ties. Seems like a a, a nice fit. I still think it's going to be Aaron Boone. Well, I think well. Mullins, I believe, speaks Spanish as well, right? And I think sure. being able to connect with some of the Latin players is very important, something that I think Girardi could not do. And I think that's a reason why he was not re-signed. So I think someone, and maybe Boone can, Boone is a, a former player for, he's a, a by all accounts, going to be a huge players manager guy. But I think they need, I think that's a big point for Cashman is someone who can relate to Gary Sanchez, Dallin Batansis, um, Chapman, a lot of these Latin players, which make up a nucleus of this Yankees roster. Yeah, and even coming up, you got Glaber Torres coming up, uh, Starling Castro. There's a lot of these guys that are in there, and I don't think you necessarily need to speak, you know, fluent Spanish. I just think you need to be able to, uh, like, a lot of these guys are just like fun dudes. They're they're they they enjoy playing ball. They they have fun. They have a more of an outgoing personality. A lot of them do. I think if you bring a guy in like that who can relate and just have fun with these guys as well as as be the serious guy, I really think they're looking for a friend. It's like being the dad. It's like the, you know, are you going to be a dad or are you going to be the best friend? Like, where's the no, line? It's gonna, they're looking for an uncle. An uncle yeah, who buys you uncle. beer. Uh, uncle who buys you beer when you're 19. That's what they're looking for. But also for. gives you really but, good uh, life advice. Right, but doesn't let you drive. Drink in my basement. Yeah. I'm going to take your keys. You're going to be responsible tonight. But here's a 30-pack of Bud Light. Sometimes I'll go down and crack a beer with the guys. Could definitely see that happening too. Right. All right, let's move into some Shohei Otani talk, who is sort of the ongoing theme from a player perspective for the Yankees this offseason. He will play in the major leagues in 2018. An agreement was reached. Uh, he's going to be grandfathered into that $20 million posting fee. Starting next season, the, the percentage, what's going to happen is the Japanese team gets a percentage of a contract that a team uh, signs a player for. So... Uh, Otani got grandfathered in because he's sort of an exception to the rule, I think. Um, the ham fighters will get that $20 million from whoever signs him. He's still going to only get the $4 million in change or whatever it's going to be uh, from a team because of the international signing money. The Yankees are the favorite. That's what everyone says. The Yankees are the favorite. Um, I don't know why that is other than the fact that they're the Yankees. I can't, I can't figure out why that would be other than the pinstripes. 
Well, the pinstripes and the the fact that they're ready to win now, I think that's a, a big factor. I think that he can, he has a, a big opportunity to come in and shine. I mean, if he's hitting in the lineup with Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez and, you know, all these guys that we have up and down the lineup and Didi, like you're in a position to get good pitches. You're, you're in a power lineup that's going to drive in runs and it's going to make you look good as well. So I think when you're looking at uh, if, if he's trying to do the offensive thing as well, it's a good spot. He's trying to do the just the pitching. It's a good spot. I mean, they need another pitcher. He he would slot right in there in the rotation. I mean, it's a it's a winning atmosphere. It's the New York Yankees, big market, a lot of things going on there. We got we got some uh, recruiters going that have had a lot of success in New York who can speak to that. I think there's a lot of good things for and a lot of very appealing things for Otani to see in New York. Yeah, Hideki Matsui. Tanaka, obviously, who's currently on the roster. Kuroda, Ichiro, they, all these guys played for the Yankees, so they actually have they have quite the list of Japanese superstars that came over and played for them. Yeah, um, Kayagawa, you know, could be a big. I th- I've heard he's already gone in there and done some recruiting. Well, I think you you kind of want to bury the Kayagawas <laughs> and the Hideki Arabu stories and not really lead with those. Are but you sure, yeah, because you could, we gave you could, a lot. You could go with those. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, you know, look at the other side of it. We gave this guy a lot of money, and look what he did. He's a he's a, a very very uh, below talent below level talent not a very good guy to have on your roster but we gave him a ton of money so I mean we'll pay you whether you do well or not good place to well come. I think what you say is listen George Steinbrenner is dead Hal Steinbrenner will not call you a fat toad like he called uh, Hideki Arabu yeah that's a selling point <laughs> good that's that one I would bury. You mentioned sort of how the Yankees would sign Otani or what he would look like on the roster. You said he'd look like a starting pitcher. And we have some mailbag questions about Otani and his sort of roster um, versatility and stuff like that. The first one's from Billy. He says, what do you think the plan would be if Otani's arm is Major League Baseball ready, but his bat looks like it needs time in AAA or vice versa? It's a very interesting dilemma. I've talked about how interesting this is because this is the only interesting thing right now that's happening in New York Yankees news. So... I will talk about a different aspect of this. There, I've seen a lot of people say when he he could come and he could be a pitcher and he could DH. They don't need a DH at that point. That's a problem. In the American League, if you are pitching and you're also hitting, what happens when he gets rocked for five runs in, in two innings and you got to pull him? Well, you lose the DH at that point too. This is a guy that has to come out of the game to pitch, no longer have the DH, then you have a problem. The guy, if he's going to be hitting, it's going to be on days that he's not pitching. And that's where you have to see that if, if he can actually, if he's got a bat, if he can sustain the level and the production of a designated hitter on those days that he's not pitching and then not affect the way that he's throwing, if that can actually happen, that's the scenario to me when you're looking at it. Because I don't think he's in the American League, he's not a candidate to, to hit while he's pitching. That's a good point um, because of the having to pull him factor. Um I think what he's going to find or what is going to be a huge challenge for him is that it's not going to be easy for him. Hitting is not going to be easy for him when he's coming to the major leagues and pitching is not going to be easy. There's going to be an adjustment period. He's going to need to focus on one of them more. Which one do you think he focuses on more? I'd say it's probably pitching. Yeah, I think pitching he can definitely make the most money. I think pitching there's a lot – there's just a lot more – he's a new guy coming over. I think he could have very – he could have – you know, immediate success as well. You see a lot of these guys come over and they dominate immediately because one, there's no book on them. The guys are, are you know, it's a, a lot of the Japanese players have, um, you know, a different type of delivery. A lot of them hide the ball 
differently than a lot of the U.S. guys that come up through the um, through the American system. I, I think they're just a different. It's a different look, um, and they have a lot of early su- success until there's a, a book on them. Um, so I think the pitcher is the is where he's the most valuable. And also, there's the 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 whole thing of so if he doesn't hit on the day that he pitches, he's probably not going to hit the day after he pitches, right? Because you need your arm to rest and all that sort of thing, right? So then you're you're looking at a a he's hitting on day two, three, and four. Yeah, it's it's such a it's such a cluster for any manager to deal with. It's it's a it's a pain in the ass, is what it is. Unless he is extremely productive in both ways. Well, no, it's a pain in the ass, but it's also a, a huge weapon if he if he produces. If he if he right. if he comes if over, he produces, we're assuming he's producing though. Because if he stinks, then then guess what? He's of no value, and at least you didn't spend twenty two million dollars a year, and you only spent four million dollars a year. I know, but that's a it's a it's an underlying storyline with the way that Otani comes over. Because if he is demanding in these contract negotiations that he is playing both sides of the ball, and he's be, he's able to hit and pitch. If he doesn't come over and immediately produce, and this guy is being a diva, saying, I got to do this, I got to do that, and he's not producing at one of them or both of them, you know, that it's going to be a, a problem. And that's another aspect of this whole thing. Is like, do you want that type of distraction on a team that's also ready to win right now? If, because if he doesn't come out of the gate hot and, and, and playing very well, he's going to get a lot of criticism, and it's, and it's going to be a story. Well, and it's it's gonna it, you're exactly right. It's gonna be a story. Um, but as far as diva goes, I mean, if he was a diva, don't you think he'd be waiting two more seasons so he could sign a hundred and fifty million dollar? No, contract? because divas are cocky. They're ready to go. Like they think but they can. Divas do also want money. Divas need to get paid. And I believe that he thinks he's gonna make that money here. He's gonna make that money, whether whether he stays there or not. He's gonna make that money. Yeah. I, I, that's, I mean, that's got to be the mindset of this guy, right? He's coming over to show what he could do to make that money. He's not coming over Is here. he, like, independently wealthy or something like that? Does he, like, do we know this? Is his family, like, some... I have like, no some, idea. I got to believe a guy Japanese like that, Japanese conglomerate or something like that? Like, they own Sony, and we just <laughs> didn't know about this? I, that, I do not know. There may be a, uh, a DVD brand named Otani, for all I know. I have no clue. That would be inter- that would be an interesting underlying aspect to this if he does if he legitimately does not need money. That's the second time I've brought up DVDs, by the way, and I don't think DVDs even exist anymore. But at least you didn't bring up VHSs. Yeah, I thought about eight tracks. You t- talking about eight tracks? No, that's just before my time. But the um, I mean, he had to have made a lot of money over there as well with marketing. Well, he was making about too. the same, like four and a half. I know, but for like marketing endorsements and such, those guys are all over. Uh, totally, a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, well, because you remember how Matsui had a had a plane with his face on it. Yeah, they're huge. I mean, some of the yeah. some of the Japanese baseball players when they're over there and they're like the guy, they're huge. Yeah, they're like um, the level of Michael Jordan or LeBron. Yeah. Like that's that's the sort of level they are over there. Didn't Tanaka isn't Tanaka married to like one of the one of like the Japanese pop stars? Yeah, she's yep. like a massive pop star over there. <laughs> and it's uh, like Jay Z and and Beyonce. He did an interview. Um, a while ago and someone asked him, do you like your wife's music? And he said, no, <laughs> cause he doesn't have which, to, which made me, made me like Tanaka a little bit more. <laughs> Next question is from Ben. He says, if the Yankees end up getting Otani, would they still be interested in signing CC? Otani is really holding a lot of people for uh, holding a lot of people hostage right now in what they're going to do. I think that's why it's been so slow. Cause it's been the slowest beginning of an off season that I can remember. Uh, and I think a lot of it is hung up because of this Otani thing, because people don't know what's happening with him yet. And and not so much for the money, but so much for what he's going to be on your roster, because it's taking up a spot of what these guys can do. 
a hitter and a pitcher. It's like it's crazy on what he's uh, the the type of wrench. I still think they're going to go out and, and look to sign CC. I think that I still think that he's uh, an extremely valuable asset. Uh, you know, as a fifth guy, as a guy coming in, um, as a back of the rotation guy. Like we've said, there's going to be injuries. He actually might be one of the guys that get injured, but you need that dependable guy. Uh, to me, I think they still sign him. I actually like the CC signing more if they also get Otani. Here's why. Because we've we talked about last week how a lot of GMs think a team would go to a six-man rotation because of the hitting aspect of Otani. He might need some extra days rest or something like that. Well, then CC's the perfect guy to fill in there who's also getting six days. CC always pitches better when he has longer rest. And you can actually kind of keep the rest of your guys on a five-day schedule. You can keep Sevi, Green, Tanaka, and um You just said Green. You mean you mean Sonny Gray? Sonny Gray. A little projection there. I think that was a little Freudian slip. <laughs> Freudian slip. Yeah, and then you could have CC and Otani who sort of do the extra day rest kind of rotation. I think that's it. Could be a very interesting aspect uh, with both Otani and CC on the roster. Yeah, especially for a brand new manager that has zero managerial experience. Let's see how he handles that curveball. Well, that's why I think there's going to be a plug and play type thing. Cashman's got a spreadsheet that's working out all these days behind the scenes. Aaron Boone, here's who you're starting today. Well, maybe it's also because this is a, a scenario that doesn't really happen. So who cares if you have managerial experience? You've never seen this situation anyway. So let's just yeah, throw no some other guy. Managerial experience might be better. Yeah, in this let's situation. just throw a guy who has no idea what we're, you know, hasn't seen anything because he hasn't mm-hmm. seen this. Nobody's seen this. Do you think Tanaka, if they go to a six man rotation for Otani, do you think Tanaka gets jealous? <laughs> well, I think Tanaka would benefit from it too. I think that's the other guy that you could see. You know, if you're if you're keeping it really kind of a five man schedule, you could mix Tanaka into that too and get him some extra rest. Right. What I'm talking about is a six man hybrid where the only guys who pitch on extra days rest are CC and Otani. Everyone else pitches on regular rest. Yeah, but why not throw Tanaka into that mix too and get him a little bit more rest? Because then you can't. Then it doesn't work. The math doesn't work. Uh, it's too much math for me. I don't know how it works or what it works or when it doesn't work. <laughs> it's a, it seems like a big problem. But I just it's I not a problem. It's a, it's a it's a it's a it's an embarrassment of riches is what it is. Right. I just think it would be funny if, if the Yankees go to a six-man rotation for Otani, but not for Tanaka, who... I know the numbers it. don't say... Yeah, the not. numbers don't say it, because actually, if you look at his career numbers, five days rest and six days rest are pretty similar. But we're, we're sort of eye-testing it, and he has traditionally, I think, looked better uh, six days rest. Yeah, I don't know. It, and seven days rest, he's lights out. Complete game shutout. Yeah, and especially if it's uh, if it's at night on a on a day that's not uh, honoring any Yankee great. Actually, he got up for the game against you, Darvish. Maybe Otani comes over and they have a little Ooh, friendly rivalry. That I like. And it actually pushes Tanaka. Ooh, I like that. I think that is legit. That's a legitimate storyline because this is the guy that's kind of like coming up and, and taking Tanaka's spot as the guy in Japan. Yeah. Maybe Tanaka's not ready to give up that spot. He's like, look, I got the yeah. biggest pop star in, J- in Japan right now. Maybe she's not yep. the biggest pop star anymore. I don't know. But I got I got the girl. I got the big contract. I am the guy that the Yankees brought over. And I didn't sign for a small contract, by the way, Otani. I have a big contract. So <laughs> don't come in here and think you're going to take my spot. And, uh, and, and it creates a little bit of a, of a home country rivalry. I like that. I think we just stumbled upon something that's really good for Tanaka. I think so, too. And I think Otani wants to come in and say, you know what, Tanaka, you're not the guy anymore. I'm the guy. And he's going to come in and dominate. Mm-hmm. Like that, too. I like friend, friendly rivalry. Yeah, I don't even care if it's friendly. 
They can hate each other. Well, like I, I think that would be even more interesting. I, so I jokingly brought that up. Would Tanaka being on the Yankees roster actually prevent Otani from coming? If, if they legitimately hate each other, I think it could. Yeah, I don't. I mean, who knows if they? Why would they hate each other at this point? There's, Maybe Otani slept with Tanaka's wife. Ooh, now you're throwing. Now you're just going TMZ on this whole thing. This is this is getting out of control. But I'm legitimately it, throwing shit against the. If wall. that were to happen, zero chance that that he's coming over to the Yankees. But unless <laughs> nobody knows about it, the um, then you're talking about like a uh, a major league situation. But wasn't right. uh, wasn't the third baseman? I can't think of his name right now. Uh, sleeping with the owner's wife. Am I making that up? I don't know. (laughs) Final mailbag question is from Ari. What's up? Greetings from Guatemala. I think that's our Ari is our first Guatemalan um, listener that we know of. I have an issue with the MVP voting. I started comparing 2006 voting when Jeter got totally ripped for the award and Morneau took it and compared it with this year's voting. Both times seems like the Yankees got ripped off. Anti, is there an anti Yankees MVP voting bias? I mean, I think everybody believes that there's a bias against the Yankees in every possible way. I think the announcers, I think people think the announcers have a Yankees bias. I think that the, they think the writers have an uh, anti-Yankees bias. Uh, I don't know. I don't really think it's a, a big of a thing anymore. I think there, there was legitimate arguments for that when the Yankees were very good and dominating and had their, uh, their, their empire run in the 90s. I, I think they were, people were sick of seeing Yankees all over the, um, all over the, the awards and, and things like that. So I don't really think it's a thing anymore. Um, so no, I'm not really buying into it as much. I do think that Jeter got robbed when Morneau won the MVP though. I agree. Jeter got robbed in 2006. And it's funny. If you look at his uh, baseball reference page, Jeter's best season was actually 1999. That is interesting. So, uh, and that was the year that I think um, Pod Rodriguez won it. And then Pedro finished second. And I think Jeter might've finished in the top five as well in 99. Uh, A-Rod won it in 2005, 2007. His numbers were just too gaudy to ignore. And then the, the last Yankee before A-Rod was Mattingly in 1985. Um, yeah, I mean, you might look back in 10 years and say Judge got robbed this season. But as far as anti-Yankees voting bias goes, first of all, I don't care. And second of all, that's sort of the territory you get when you're a Yankees fan. Yeah, I mean, there, it's the... People don't want to keep seeing the same guy on top, and and whether it's a conscious decision to not vote for him or if it's something in their subconscious saying I hate the Yankees, I'm I won't say that out loud, but in the back of my mind I hate the Yankees and I'm not going to vote for this guy. Well, one that guy's a a terrible professional and and should be taking his, his vote away immediately, but probably happens. But I just don't think it's a I don't think it's much of a thing. I, you know, when you're looking at what happened this year, for even when you break even more down the the voting. I just think a lot of, of these guys saw that slump as a deal breaker. I mean, you look at how he only got two first place votes. Well, I just think a lot of these guys came to that same conclusion that he was up there. It was probably a lot closer. I heard somebody compare this to a boxing uh, a boxing match when there's a split decision. While every round could have been like extremely close, like very, very close. But one guy... Everybody thought won it in that particular round, and then when you see the end scorecard, it's this guy's got you know eight rounds. I think it's a similar situation to that. I think that it was very close, but I think that the one underlying uh, determining factor for a lot of these people was that slump, and I think that put Altuve over the edge for a lot of people. So that's why we saw the discrepancy in first place votes. Yeah, and I think if Judge didn't have the September he did, he probably would have gotten zero first place votes. 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And if he didn't have the shoulder injury, he would have gotten a unanimous vote. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's it for mailbags this week. Guys, if you want to submit questions, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. And you can also tweet us questions at Yankees podcast. My handle is at Andrew underscore Rotondi and Scott's is at Scott Reinen. Every week I've been putting out the topics on Twitter that we talk about and we've been getting some submissions on what you guys want to hear that way as well. So keep an eye out for that, usually over the weekend, because we've been recording these episodes either Saturday or Sunday. Um, also, do not forget to rate and review the podcast in iTunes. It helps us out immensely. I know we are up over 400 actual written reviews, which is awesome. Keep that going throughout the offseason. We see the numbers on the show. It's, it's growing, which is great to see. You guys are listening. You guys want to hear us talk Yankees each week throughout the offseason, um, so it's awesome to see. Also, don't forget to, uh, what we mentioned at the beginning of the show, Cyber Monday deal. What would you say, 30% off? Yeah, I'm going to go to 30% off. 30% off the Damn. entire store. So look for that as you're listening to this today on Monday. Use code Cyber Monday in the BP Fan Shop. Anything else you want to say, Scott, before we get out of here? No, I just want a manager. That's it. Can I, is that too much to ask for? A manager? Well, Scott wants for Christmas is a Yankees All manager. I want is a manager, please. And Shohei Otani. And Otani. And CeCe Sabathia. And Sabathia. Anything else? Uh, more international pool money. Get rid of Ellsbury, please. <laughs> All right, talk to you guys next week. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.